but I just pray that your spirit would take your word and make it fresh in our hearts, that it would come alive, Lord, that that your word, which is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts, that you can discern between all the things that we're thinking, all the things that we're feeling, between the physical and the spiritual, all of it, Lord, your word can pierce through that, reveal, convict, encourage, teach, exhort. Lord, I pray that your word would do all of that through the power of your spirit this morning. We thank you again for for sending your son, Lord, to die for us, to hang on a cross for us, to take the penalty we deserve, to take the death we earned. And you took that for us. You took that from us. And you you, you removed the power of sin, the power of hell. You, you put your foot on Satan's neck, Lord. And we thank you because it cost you your life, but we thank you that you rose from the dead, Lord, and we get to celebrate you this morning. So we praise you, we thank you, and we just ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, my name's Jeremy. For those of you who don't know me, you're probably wondering, who is this guy standing here before us today, and where in the world is our pastor? <laughs> um, Unlike Jesus, he's forsaken you. I'm just kidding. He's, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I know Chris pretty well, so I can say stuff like that. Um, no, th- this place has changed a little bit since the last time me and my family were here. It's been, it's been three years. Uh, for those of you who don't know me again, my name's Jeremy Bear, and uh, me and my family, we live in Eastern Europe. We serve in a country called Serbia. It's not Siberia, and it's not Syria, okay? Um, it's, it's pretty pretty normal (laughs) in Eastern Europe. Um, But, you know, that's where we serve. And we've been there for the last three years. And we were really, really fortunate in light of just the COVID situation to even be here. You know, we were at a point in our ministerial life in Serbia where we were just like, we need a break, Lord. You know, we need you to, to get us back to America. And by his grace, I mean, he he put together an extraction flight. I think it was just for us. (laughs) <laughs> it probably wasn't, but I took it that way. Um, and the U.S. Embassy put together an extraction flight because the airport was closed, the borders were closed, there was absolutely no getting out. And th- we got an email from the U.S. Embassy, and they said, we're putting together a flight. Be ready to get on it if you want tickets. It's leaving in like five hours. And we're like, oh, okay, I guess uh, short notice, but here we go. And so we got on a plane, and we flew here, and within a period of maybe, you know, not even 24 hours, we went from thinking we're not going to get a break and we're going to really have to just like buckle down, depending on the grace of God and just be here for who knows how long. We went from that to being in California going, whoa, what did the Lord just do? You know, like, and he, he extracted us, you know, just to give us rest, give us a break. And so we've been taking a little bit of a longer furlough here in the States. We've been here for about Three, uh, almost four months now, somewhere around there. Yeah, and and um, and this is the first church fellowship that I've been able to come and like participate in this fashion. So this is pretty crazy for me. This is a, this is a first, all right, in a while. And uh, and just to give you guys, yeah, praise the Lord. Um, and just to give you guys a little bit of perspective as well, like we we live in a city in Serbia. It's over two hundred thousand people. And I like to brag on our church because we have the biggest church in the city. Guess, guess how many people there are in our church? Less. Less. 
about 15 people in a city of 200,000 people where the gospel is essentially non-existent, right? And so just being in a crowd this big teaching is like, whoa, this is kind of <laughs> different for me too, you know? It's been a few years. Um, so before we moved to Serbia, we actually lived in Hungary. I taught at Calvary Chapel Bible College in Europe. I taught there for about two and a half years. And what I'm going to basically bring to you this morning, it kind of came out of, out of that um, it came out of context in Hungary, and, and it's something that just the Lord has kind of impressed on my heart no matter where we go, and it's something that I think we can all continue to grow in, and it's the grace of God, right? Like Paul said to Timothy, be strong in the grace of God. And so if there's one thing that I think we're gonna, we should as believers like master on, it's the gospel which reveals the grace of God, right, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the grace of God this morning. So we're going to be in Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, digital, analog, however you read God's word here, uh, would you open to Ephesians chapter 1? And I'm going to give a little bit of information before we read. Um, we're going to be in verses thir- 3 through 14 this morning and just making a few observations from that section. So like I said, we, I, was, um, you know, I was in Hungary. I'm teaching at this Bible college. And you know, we had students from all over the globe that would come. And you know, as a teacher, sometimes I, I like to the dialogue with my students. It's not just monologue. I like to hear what they're thinking. And there was quite a few times in that context where I would, I would ask a question. And maybe you guys have done this. I know I have done this where you give a response, but you can just tell it's like, I don't know if you really understand what you just said, you know, and it's like, call it Christianese. We've heard it a lot where it's like, oh, you know, praise God. And it's like, well, do you, are you really praising God? or Are you just saying that, you know, and like I asked the question and often I would get a response, um, you know, so what, what did God make us for? You know, that was a common question I would ask. And, and a lot of times I would get, oh, you know, he, he created us to glorify him. And that would be the common response, you know, to glorify God. That's why he, that's why he made us. To bring him glory. Oh, glory to God. You know, and this kind of falls into one of those, it can fall into one of those Christianese phrases that we use all the time. And, and for me, I was like, you know, I would hear this and I go, but, but what is, I, I decided one time to just kind of poke a little further and be like, well, well what does that mean though? To, to glorify God, what does that really mean? And usually I get like a, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, to glorify God, it's like, it's like to do things that would bring him glory. I'm like, well, you still haven't given me an answer of what that looks like on a human level in a practical way so that we can actually do that. You know, and so um, from that, I was like, you know, I, I want to I break that down biblically. I want to know what does it mean? If, if this question is so important, what is our chief end to glorify God? And we don't know what it means to glorify God. Do you think that we should probably figure that out if it's such a big question and such a vital answer in our lives? If it brings us purpose, if it brings us meaning, you know, to say, I was created to glorify God. I should probably know what that what that looks like. Right. And so that's what I want to I want to talk to you about this morning. And so I want to I have like four points for you guys. I'm going to give you one point and then we're going to read Ephesians chapter one. Okay. 
Um, I'll, I'll make this case first, okay? It's impossible to glorify God without seeing God's glory. Okay, you can't glorify something unless you first see the, the person, the thing in which you are to, to glorify that thing. Okay, just a basic definition to glorify. A Bible dictionary says to glorify means to make something appear. So if I'm going to make something appear, I first have to see that thing that I'm going to make appear, right? I mean, it's pretty basic. I'm not going to give you guys anything that's really complicated this morning. I'm a pretty basic person, and I'll try to leave it pretty basic. Okay, so to glorify God, to make appear, that's what it means. So it's impossible to glorify God without first seeing the glory of God. And so if we want to see the glory of God, it begs the question, where do we see the glory of God? Where do we see the glory of God? And so one thing that kind of popped into my head originally, just asking this question Where do we see the glory of God? Psalm 19, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. When we look at creation, God's word says that it declares his glory. So there is in some way, shape, or form, when you look at creation, God says, this makes me appear. It makes me appear. It reveals who I am. And in Romans chapter 1, Paul said something about creation. He said, it declares to us God's infinite power, right? The fact that anything exists at all means that something had to cause everything that is in existence, right? There had to have been a first cause to everything we see. And so when we look at these beautiful mountains in your guys' backyard, we don't just go, you know, those mountains just made themselves. You know, when, when you look at the universe and you go, wow, you know, any closer to the sun, we'd be dead. Any further away from the sun, we'd be dead. You know, it seems like we're just right where we're supposed to be to have life. And we go, yeah, that was just by accident. <laughs> no. Like, Paul says that creation declares God's infinite power, his wisdom. Right? You look at the tiny little cell. You go to the... The, the universe, and you go way down to the cell, and it's like, man, the more we learn about the cell, it's like this little factory, right? And you don't stumble across this, this fancy eye watch and go, you know, this watch just made itself. It just kind of popped into existence. It's like, no, there's intricacies to this thing that you have to conclude somebody, an intelligent being, made all of this. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. So God is saying through his word, you look at creation, there's an element to where you can say God reveals himself. So it's impossible for me to glorify God if I don't first admit, acknowledge that there is a God who created everything we see and that he's infinite in power. Right. He had to exist before all this, meaning he is infinite. He is beyond time and space. Everything we see in this little box of time. He's outside of it, right? And he says, and now I'm going to create everything. I'm going to display my, how, I, how I am infinite and how I'm wise and how I'm powerful. You know, so the creation itself declares the glory of God. But, but something else that's interesting to me is walking, walking from that. Okay, creation declares the glory of God. Going to the next step as we read our Bibles, Genesis, Exodus, right? If you guys are familiar with Exodus 
and God working, reaching down into human history to make a very special people for himself. He says, I'm going to redeem these people out of Egypt. And then Moses, whom he calls to lead those people out of Egypt. You know what? One of the <laughs> most interesting questions that Moses ever asks to God is, can you show me your glory? That was, that was the, the heart cry of Moses, right? He's on the mountain talking with God personally. He's saying, we, we'll go to this land, but if your presence does not go with us, we're not going. God says, I will be with you. And in Exodus 33, Moses kind of pushes the envelope a little bit, and he's like, God, can you show me your glory? But I go, wait a second, Moses, you had creation, right? You can look at creation. Is creation sufficient to declare the glory of God to the degree that God wants us to behold his glory? And Moses, by asking God, can I see your glory, would say, no, it's not, because he has creation. And yet he still, in his heart, is wanting something more. He said, I want to see your glory, God. And you know what's interesting to me? God doesn't say, well, Psalm 119 says, you know, like, the heavens declare the glory of God. Look at it. It declares my glory. That's a tiny aspect of it. But what God says to him in Exodus 33, he says, I will show you my glory. I'm going to hide you in the rock because you can't see everything that I am. You can't see me and live. So I'm going to hide you in the rock. And he says, I will cause my goodness to pass by you. I will declare my name to you. And so God is saying, yes, I'm going to show you some of my glory. And my glory is found in who I am. He says, this is, I'm going to declare my goodness. I'm going to declare my name to you. And what does he do? He passes by Moses and he declares, I am a God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I forgive iniquity and yet I will by no means acquit the guilty. Right? These are elements of God. God is saying, I will declare my glory to you and my glory is found in who I am. And this is who I am. I am gracious. I am merciful. I am loving. I am forgiving. And I am just. You know, and it's like, for those of us who have the Spirit of God in this room, right now you just went, whoa, yes. <laughs> right? Like, yes. Like, that's the glory of God. The character of God. The person of God. Declaring who He is. You know, and so... Now, I want to read Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start in verse 3. Thinking about this question, how do we glorify God? And if we can't glorify God unless we see who God is, and creation is insufficient to do that, we have to know who God is in His character. And God Himself says, this is who I am. I think Ephesians chapter 1, we see really clearly who, how gracious and how good God really is. Okay? So let's just, let's just look at this real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. I'm going to read to verse 14. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Isn't that a great section? Isn't that a great section of Scripture? Multiple times it says, God did this to the praise of His glory. God did this, did this so that we would praise His glory. And so He's revealing to us in this section very specific elements of His glory. He is manifesting Himself in His eternal plan, in His choice to save, in His choice to redeem, in His choice to adopt, in His choice to make a very special people redeemed to Himself, right? He's, he's revealing His glory. And so, this is... <laughs> second point, okay? It's impossible to glorify God without experiencing and enjoying God's glory, okay? So, if it's impossible to glorify God without seeing God's glory, it's also equally impossible to glorify God if we don't experience and enjoy that glory. To experience, and again, what do I mean by glory? I'm not just using this word as a Christianese word. I'm saying glory is synonymous to the character and the person of God. It is impossible to enjoy God. To, to glorify God unless we are experiencing and enjoying the person and the character of God Himself. Right? We have to see it. We have to experience it. We have to enjoy it. <clears throat> in verse 12 and in verse 14, He gives a result of, for those who have believed, for those who have received Jesus Christ, in verse 12, it's to the praise of His glory. And in that verse, he's specifically, receive, uh, re sorry, he's specifically talking about Jesus Christ. So we're, we're saved to praise the glory of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, it says again, to the praise of His glory. And I think he's referring to the Spirit here too. Like the Spirit is, is doing something and, and we get to praise the name and the character of the Spirit of God as well. So we see we're praising the glory of Jesus. We're praising the glory of the, of the Spirit. But 
but we're still a little vague on, on what, is it, what does it really mean to glorify God? If we don't see the glory of God, we can't glorify God. If we don't experience and enjoy the glory of God, we can't glorify God. But let's go one step further. And this, in this section, he refers two times to something very specific. In verse 6, he says, The result of those who believe is to the praise of his glorious grace. His grace. Right? This is the very specific thing that God has chosen by in, in His sovereignty that we would experience in order to lead us to a, a God-glorifying life, a purpose-filled life, a life filled with meaning, is when we experience, enjoy, and receive God's grace. And then what do we praise when we've experienced that? We praise His glorious grace. And this is exactly who God says he is to Moses. I'll declare my glory to you. I am a God who's merciful and gracious. Right? And so, in order to glorify God, we have to see the glory of God. We have to enjoy and, and receive the glory of God. But it's specifically in his grace. That's what he says. To the praise of his glorious grace. So that's the third point. It's impossible to glorify God without enjoying His grace. You know, and so, whose grace are we enjoying? In this section, it's, it's so cool to see how the triune God is at work in every single aspect. He's telling us that the Father, before the foundation of the world, made a plan. The Father is the one who is gracious. The Father is the one who is extending forgiveness and mercy and bestowing gifts upon people who do not deserve it. This is grace, right? Like there's a difference between mercy and grace, and they are separate. One of the, one of the tragedies, actually, living in Serbia is we're learning the language. And... <laughs> It's interesting as we're learning their culture and I stumble upon certain words. One of the words they have for mercy is milos. It's mercy, right? And then when I, I heard whenever they would refer to God as gracious, they would use the same word, milos, mercy. And so it, it got me curious. I was like, do, do you guys have a word for, for grace? And they're like, no, it's milos. And I'm like, yeah, but that's mercy. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the difference? Like, there's no differentiation in their mind between mercy and grace. But there is a huge difference between mercy and grace. Mercy, it can be simply withholding something that somebody does deserve, right? Maybe in the form of of discipline or consequences. I'm going to withhold that. I'm going to be merciful to you. Right? It could be actually giving somebody what they do deserve. You know, somebody who's created in the image of God, where we get mercy ministries from, people who don't deserve what they get because they're made in the image of God. And so we want to treat you in such a way that says you are worth something because you're made in the image of God. We're going to be merciful. Right? Giving somebody what they deserve or withholding something that they do deserve. But grace is something totally different. 
Grace is giving somebody freely what they do not deserve and they've never earned. Nothing I have ever done, nothing you have ever done, earned the grace of God in your life. Nothing. Right? Like the Bible describes what we have earned. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's what I've earned. Right? God could be merciful, I guess, and withhold, con- withhold consequence, but then how would he be just? How would he be just? He can't compromise any aspect of who he is. But in Christ, he makes a way so that he can display the glory of God specifically in the grace of God in Jesus Christ by saying, I've made a way, now I can give you what you do not deserve and be just. I've I've upheld my justice by taking your sin, what you've earned, death. And Jesus takes that upon himself. Right? And then he says, and now... Jesus has made a way. This is the Father. Jesus has made a way for me to give you what you don't deserve, my grace. I'm going to choose that for anybody who believes, I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm going to to go even better than just forgiving you of your sins. I'm going to take the perfect life of Jesus Christ, His perfect, sinless life, and I'm going to give that to you, credit, credit it to you as a gift justification. I'm going to declare you righteous. Right? And then I'm going to make you my son. This is the plan of the Father. This was His plan as spelled out in Ephesians. In love, He predestined us to adoption as sons. God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do any of this. Right? (laughs) But He made a way not just to forgive us, but to give us way more than forgiveness. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us righteousness. Two different things as well. I can be forgiven of my sin, acquitted of my guilt, and still walk away a sinful person. But he says, no, I'm going to forgive you, acquit you, give you righteousness. Credit that to your account. Adopt you into my son as a son or a daughter, and then I'm going to give you an inheritance which the Bible also calls glorious. Like God's grace is glorious. God's inheritance is glorious. And he gives it to you freely as a gift. Is that cool to you guys? Is that like, wow. Like, I don't expect amens or anything, but just in your heart, like, that is amazing. That's the plan of the Father. To make a way to do that. (laughs) And... So whose grace are we praising? The Father's pretty gracious, (laughs) right? He made a way to do that. Jesus actually fulfilled that plan. It wasn't just an idea that didn't see fruition. It was an idea that was executed and Jesus perfectly fulfilled. And, and, (laughs) And so when we look back in history and we look at God's word and this whole entire book by the Spirit points us to Jesus, we go, Jesus... You are gracious. You know, what does John chapter 1 say? The law came through Moses, right? God's holy standard that we could never live up to to show us and reveal our sin. But it says, but then grace, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
There's a contrast there. Could we look at the law of God and see the grace of God? That was not God's design for the law. God's design for the law was to show us that we need the grace of God. To point us to Jesus Christ who is full of grace. Praise the Lord for that. Right? And so, whose grace are we praising in this section? The Father made the plan, praising the Father's grace. Jesus fulfilled the plan, praising Jesus' grace. But then the Spirit has His part too, in verse 14. As soon as you believed in Him, what happened to you, in verse 13? You're, you're sealed. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This was the promise that the, the Father is referring to. I'm making this great plan. I'm promising to give you something so incredibly permanent. And it's not just something so incredibly permanent. It's someone so incredibly permanent. I'm going to make my dwelling place in you. Because he's cleansed you. He's, he's removed your guilt. He's forgiven your sin and your trespass. That's the of the new covenant i will remember your sin no more i will put my spirit in you according to jeremiah and ezekiel that's the new covenant promise that jesus said this is done in my blood the new covenant in my blood i'm giving you the promise of forgiveness the promise of regeneration inward from the inside out and and god does that by putting his spirit inside of you yeah it's like this is a, and I love this word right here. Guarantee. How many of you guys are exhausted when you try to earn people's favor in your life? Right? Like, that's me. <laughs> it's exhausting to try and work your way into people's good graces, as the phrase goes, right? That, that's not our God. Our God is not like that. Our God is not... <laughs> he doesn't think and function the way we humans function. He says, I am a God who is gracious, and I will work you into my good graces. When you're an enemy, when you're rebellious, when you are under the sway of the wicked one, which the whole world is, the Bible says, when you are following the, the, the course of of the prince, of the power, of the air, Satan himself, God says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to work really hard for you and I'm going to draw you into my good graces. And the Spirit of God is the one who does this. This is why Jesus said in John 16, it's good that I go. If I go, the Spirit will come and He is going to draw you to me. He's going to show you your need forgiveness. He's going to show you that you are not the standard of righteousness, but Jesus is. And he's going to show you that the authority of Satan has been removed from him. And Jesus now has all authority. Right? That's Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. Satan's authority, gone. And this is what Jesus is saying in John 16, is that the Spirit of God is drawing people to the Son of God to receive salvation. And whose grace are we praising? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Every single one of them in this section. 
So if we're going to glorify God, we first have to see the glory of God, and we can't see the glory of God simply in creation. God says you're going to see it in my character, in my name, in my goodness, and Jesus reveals that to us. The name, the person, the goodness, the character of God. And for those who receive and enjoy and experience this grace, I would argue it's borderline impossible not to glorify God. You know, because when you've experienced something so good as the grace of God, it's hard not to be transformed by that. You have to really resist it. <laughs> and, and I would argue it's borderline impossible not to be transformed by the grace of God if you've experienced the glorious grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so when we're saying, you know, what, what does it mean to glorify God? We have to understand that the glory of God is manifest in the grace of God and the grace of God is manifest in the person of God in Jesus Christ specifically, right? So, see, even all of this is, is kind of one side of the coin because you can understand all of this in your head, concepts, and still not glorify God, right? Like, I, I, would, I would say the Pharisees, the first religious le- leaders, do you, they had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament just to be even considered to be in that club, they had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Do you think they knew in their heads the character of God as he revealed it to Moses? I think they knew it in their heads. They had it memorized. Say, well, who is God? God is gracious. He's merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Right? Like they would say it. But then what was Jesus's main accusation against this class of people, the Pharisees? So you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You guys are all pretty on the outside and inside. You're dark, like dead man's bones. There's no transformation. There's no renewal. There's no grace. There's no love. Did they understand the concept in their heads? I think so, but not in their hearts. And that's a scary thing to me, honestly, especially as I love to read my Bible, (laughs) especially being part of a, a great camp of churches like Calvary Chapel churches, where we value highly the Word of God. We do, right? And it's, it's a great thing. We value the Word of God. But the Word of God is meant to point us to the Son of God so that we experience the grace of God, so that we're transformed by God, so that we can glorify God. If we're not reaching that end, we're not fulfilling the purpose for which God saved us to glorify him right and so we need to be careful it's scary to me to go you know i love the word i love knowing the word but to like like james says to let the word have its work in you you know to let the spirit of god work in you in a way that's going to point you to the son of god to experience the grace of god to glorify god and so i I get scared by that that i can Understand this book just simply as as knowledge in my head. When Paul warned against that, right? Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. Love doesn't seek its own. It seeks others' benefit. And if I'm going to love people 
I have to experience the grace of God because in the grace of God, we see the love of God towards people, right? So I, this is one side of the coin is understanding this, not just in your head, but receiving it and understanding this in a way that you've experienced the grace of God. But then I would say, and this is the answer to our question, how do you glorify God? You have to display the glory of God. You have to display that. And what is Ephesians telling us three times that we're praising the grace of God? If we're praising the grace of God and we're called to glorify God, then we have to display the grace of God. Right? So that's kind of the answer. How do we glorify God? We display God's grace. Right? We proclaim the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. But as Paul would say, let your life adorn the gospel of God. Let your life be complementarian to the message that you proclaim. And if we are all truth and no grace, we're harsh. We're a clanging symbol. If we're all grace and no truth, we're like sentimental. And (laughs) we have to have both complementing one another as the Spirit of God works in us to display the grace of God, communicating the truth of God, so people can experience the love and grace of God. You know, So if we're going to glorify God, we have to display God's grace. And so there's a couple questions, challenging questions for myself, for us. How do I know if I'm someone who displays God's grace? Characterized that way would be the first question. Like, what do other people say about you? You know, you're a really gracious dude. You're a really gracious lady. That's an indicator. (laughs) What do people think about you? I know that we're like, oh, we're not supposed to care what people think about us. But to a degree, I think we should. Because if everybody around us is saying, you know what, you're really harsh. Then I need to take that into consideration because Jesus was harsh, but he was also gracious. He was tactful. He knew exactly who to be harsh to and who to be gracious to. And I would even argue that the ones he was harsh to, he was being gracious to. And all of his harsh words were never, ever not out of love for the people he was talking with. Right? What do do people say about me? Have Have I even received this grace of God? Because if you haven't received this grace, first thing I'll tell you what, you are missing out <laughs> just on life on on, an, on a relationship with god if you haven't received that grace of god in jesus christ and his sacrifice for you <clears throat> hopefully all of us in this room have and that's your choice if you want to receive that um, i'm sure there's people here that would love to talk to you about that um, but another indicator how do you treat people who've committed sin what are the words that come out of your mouth towards those who are sinners? What are, what are your social media posts? Ouch, that one might have hurt a little bit, right? <laughs> um, I Honestly, like I can't, not to harp on it, like I think social media is redeemable and very useful in God's kingdom. I can't get on, I mean, we've been gone for three years and I, and I come back and, and, I, and I'm looking at social media. I can't be on there for like two minutes. Because one, I have my own tendency to judge people, and I'm like, that's not the grace of God per se. So I'm, I'm just, I got to get off of this because I can't handle it. But part of what I can't handle is when I see, especially believers, 
and their speech. I'm just like, guys, how are we talking to each other? Are we displaying the grace of God? If we have harsh words, because we all think we're justified in our words, right? That's the problem. We all think we're right when we say those harsh things. But, you know, what is the book of Judges and what does Proverbs say, which was the primary fault of humanity? Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Me doing what's right and feeling justified in my comments does not determine what is right. God would say, you need to glorify me with your words. Right? So how do I view people who've sinned against me? How do I respond to them? It's a battle. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk down to you. I'm just saying we're, all in, we're in this all together, right? Like This is the wrestling match. To glorify God means to display the grace of God, the person of God in Jesus Christ. That's a challenging question. Do I do that with my words? How do I treat those who failed? How do I treat those who are closest to me? This is probably the most challenging one. Because, right, like in the marriage context, in the family context, this is the context that God has sovereignly chosen to be like the scalpel in our lives that performs the, the surgery of the heart that, that is purging us of sin, in a sense. Because those who, clo- who are closest to us, they're the ones who really see the egg on our face, right? They're the ones who really see our sin. And, and I'm the one who, who sees who they really are when we're living with people day in and day out, you know, for years and years and years. And this is, this is what I believe is like the ultimate testing ground of where we are going to be able to receive and give the grace, the love of God. You know, so it's a hard question. How do I treat those who are closest to me? As soon as, I, as, soon as they've failed, as soon as they've sinned, Am I like, it's done, right? Like, how do I treat people who are closest to me? And how I answer most of these questions is going to determine what's my level of of grace output, you know? Another thing, if you're going to, like we said already, but if you're going to display the grace of God, you have to receive this because your ability to, to output grace is directly connected to the level you are receiving God's grace. Right? I understand that like what Ephesians says, the moment we believe, we are sealed. It's a guarantee. But we are forgetful human beings, right? Like, There's a reason why I think God gave us this whole communion thing. Do this often. Do this in remembrance of me. Because we are just like Israel. <laughs> that was so, and they saw some amazing things. And how easily they either ignored or just forgot about the things that God did. And, and Jesus is like, every time you do this communion thing, remember, remember me. Remember the new covenant in my blood, the promise of the Spirit, the promise of forgiveness, and what it costs me for you because I love you. He's saying, I want you to remember this because this is me displaying my grace, my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. And he says, And do this until I return, because he's risen from the dead, right? Like, this is our gospel. The life, the death, and the resurrection of our gracious God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, we need to receive that often, every single day, right? 
not only so that I can just enjoy God's grace, but so that I can display God's grace. If I'm not enjoying God's grace, I'm not going to display God's grace. And so if you're somebody that in these questions I just asked, you say, you know, I'm really not that gracious. I really am short. My anger flares easily. Like I, I judge quickly. I say, you know, you just need to take a time out, <laughs> right? Like I have to put my kids in time out sometimes until it's like they can just calm down. And sometimes I have to put myself in a time out, <laughs> me and the Lord, and just let the goodness and kindness and grace of Jesus Christ be poured on you afresh in a sense and like receive it every day like God help me by the power of your spirit to be more like you and less like me you know and there's going to be elements of who you are that God wants to redeem and use absolutely we're all unique we're all special in the family of God but it's like gosh Lord just make me more like you and in order to do that, I have to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. I have to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and I have to look at him, and I have to think about him. I have to think about what he's done for me, and just let his goodness and his kindness and his patience wash over me so that I can be gracious to other people. Because do you think God cares about his name going out? Do you think he cares about it? I think he does. I think God wants people to know who he is. And you know what is so crazy? I wouldn't have planned it this way, but God did, and he knows better than all of us, right? Is to choose that his name would go out and be displayed through sinful people like us. You know, And I think that's part of God's plan. He's saying, I've chosen that in your weakness... My power is made perfect because my grace is sufficient. That's what he told Paul, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. My grace is sufficient for, for all you guys. And this is a challenge because sometimes it can be scary to talk about the things that we don't want to talk about because we're afraid that people aren't going to be gracious, right? But in the family of God, this is the place where we should be able to talk about those deep, dark things because we believe and have received an incredibly gracious God, right? And I think to the degree that we can function that way as people who are receiving and giving grace is to the degree that God is going to be made known through his people. And other people are going to come to know the grace and goodness of God through you guys, through us. As we display that grace. So do you know what I think is one of the main targets for Satan that he wants to get get right at people? The grace of God. Is God really gracious? You know? Did God really say? That's, the, that's what Satan's going to try whisper to you when you've failed? When you've done horrible things? Is God really gracious? Is he going to forgive you this time? But even more so, I think he's going to put into your mind and heart the people of God. They're not gracious. Don't say anything to them. Right? And I think that's the target. Is, is so that we would stop talking to each other about what's really going on in our lives. And if we do that, we're robbing the people of God, us. We're robbing ourselves of the ability to glorify God, to display his grace, to be gracious. And it's receiving that grace that is going to help us 
to display that grace. And I don't think that it just comes from God. It comes from God through his people whom he has called the body of Christ. You guys, think about that for a second, okay? If I'm going to receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ, who does God call the body of Christ right now? Us. Amen. Do you see? I mean, this is why I say this is crazy to me. I would not have planned it that way. But God did. God chose to become so intimately and closely connected to you, giving you his spirit as a guarantee, but then calling you the body of Jesus Christ. That is crazy. I'm like, don't, you know, it's scary a little bit. It's like, whoa, don't call me that. Because I know my tendency and how I want to treat people. Don't call me the body of Jesus. Right? But God says, no, that's who you are. And he says, and I'm never going to take that away from you. Because I want you to display who I am. And so if we're going to glorify God, we have to see the glory of God. We have to experience the glory of God. We have to enjoy the glory of God in the grace of God, according to what Ephesians says. And we have to be displaying the grace of God. You know, practicing that in the body of Christ. And then displaying that to a world that needs to experience the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So, I'm going to pray. I'm going to let the worship team come back up. I think they have another song that we can respond to. I've really appreciated just being able to share God's word with you a little bit this morning. Um, Thanks for listening and, and, uh, you know, just be praying for our family as as the Lord puts um, us on your heart as we will be going out in August. Again, Lord willing, if everything opens up and the borders are there, but just pray that we can make our way back there. There's a lot of people there that need to experience this grace that we're talking about. You know, a lot of broken people. Like I said, a church of about 15 people in a city of over 200,000. And we're, we're, we're it, you know, so, um, but God is powerful and he's able. So pray for us. I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come up. We're going to sing one last song. Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we do just praise you for the, the glory of what it is, Lord, giving us what we don't deserve. Lord, I pray that you in your grace would help us to see who we are in you now. Like your word says here in Ephesians that we just read. You predestined to make us holy and blameless before you in love. God, I I know the way I see me now. I know the way we see each other sometimes. Now we are definitely, I wouldn't use words like holy and blameless. But Lord, you say this is exactly what I've predetermined, chosen, will work out in your life is to make you stand before me holy and blameless because of Jesus Christ. That is refreshing, Lord. That is good news. Lord, I'm so glad that you who began the good work are going to complete that work. Lord, I'm so glad that it is you who works in us both to will and do for your good pleasure. Lord, I'm so thankful that you have chosen to make your home in us in such an intimate way that you would call us individually and corporately the body of Jesus Christ. Lord, 
May we, may we take that very seriously. May I take that very seriously. That we would display your glory. That we would enjoy your glory in Jesus Christ, the grace you've given us. Lord, we just entrust the words that you've spoken today into our hearts. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would, by your power, take those words and just transform us a little bit more this morning into the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would cause the, the talents and gifts that you've created in us and given us to flourish, Lord, as we experience your grace, all to your glory, Lord, to display who you are. Lord, we live in cities that need your grace. The people in them need to experience who you are. There's so much healing and transformation that's needed, Lord. And I just pray that you would use this little little church in Tooele to continue to display your grace, Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that you've called a family here. And you've used multiple people to start a, a manifestation of your grace here. To, to create a gospel outpost in this city. And may they just be an extension of the kingdom of God. Where, where people who not just enter these doors, but enter into the proximity of the people that make up this church. That they would experience the kingdom of God that they would enter in and say, surely God is among you. Lord, I pray that for this fellowship, Lord. I pray that you would you just build them and strengthen them and root them in the gospel of grace to display who you are. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We want to glorify you. We want to continue to display Jesus. We're thankful that when we fail to do that, you give us more grace. Your word says, where sin abounded, grace abounds all the more. Lord, that, that is amazing. That is comforting. It's refreshing. And it makes my heart say, and I don't want to sin anymore when I see and experience that. May that be all of us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.